This is Hair Therapy, cultivating the conversation around hair and scalp health. I am Kate, your host, and as a hairdresser, educator, and a trichologist, I am obsessed with all things hair. Whether you're interested in optimum hair and scalp health or have a hair or scalp condition, we have expert guests who are specialists in their field on a variety of different treatments and solutions, along with inspiring real-life stories. Perhaps you're looking to support someone who's had a hair or scalp concern, or you're a hairdresser who would like to know how to better support their clients. I am here to provide knowledge and information to help. Think of this as your very own audio resource library for you to pick and choose what is useful to you. I'm so glad you're listening today. Let's navigate hair health together to learn and grow. I basically felt so alone in my journey that I was like, I don't want a single other person suffering from hair loss to ever feel as alone as I did. Because it got so dark for me. It got so, so dark. It scares me to think about how dark it got. If I just had that one person I could reach out to, I would have been okay. But I want to be that person for other people. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for listening today. I have a really amazing true life story with Chloe Sheehan today. Chloe lives in Cork. She went for a smear test in 2016, which resulted in her having to have numerous tests and procedures over the following three months due to complications. She didn't think it was very stressful at the time, but the visits and procedures were daunting and they took her toll on her body. So in February 2017, her hairdresser noticed a bald patch on the back of her head the size of a coin. And this was the start of her hair loss journey. So hi, Chloe. Thanks for talking to me today. Hi, Kate. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. I mean, I've just basically listed just all the bad thing that happened to you. Do you want to tell us a bit more about you as Chloe, the person? Perfect. So um, my name is Chloe. I am 29 years old from Cork in Ireland and I do have alopecia areata, but besides that, I've one brother and I've a very busy life at the moment. I'm getting married next June and I'm building a house at the moment. So it's all exciting. It's all positive. Thank God. And I work as a procurement administrator for an engineering company, Dornan Engineering, which I actually made a huge career change after I was diagnosed with alopecia. I'm actually a fully qualified dental nurse. Mm -hmm. So made a big change in my life. But everything I think has led me to a nice place in my life that I am grateful for. So that's a little bit about me. Well, it still seems like you've got quite a lot going on. You've got a wedding to organise and building a house. That's quite a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. I said um, I'd only get married if it was going to be stress-free. And I said I'd only build a house if it was going to be stress-free. The windows are about to go into the house and the wedding is only nine months ago. And so far, touch wood, talk about controlling you know, what you want to control. I could have let both of them, I think, get the better of me. But I suppose because of my life experience and because of alopecia and I know my relationship with stress, I just refused point blank to get stressed about either. And of course, sometimes they're a little bit more stressful than others, but it's definitely not on the scale what it probably should be because I simply just won't allow it enter into my bubble. No way. (laughs) 
Do you feel like because of everything that's happened, you have a little bit more like, oh, it is what it is kind of attitude now? Or um, I do and I don't. I suppose one thing in that sense is everything that comes in my life, I sort of weigh up like relationships are you know big things that happen in my life I look at them different before I would have just went with the flow and whatever stresses came I would have just absorbed them as a person but I don't do that anymore I just don't allow it and I think I just use all the tools that I learned throughout the years to try and just keep my stress levels down because I have an autoimmune disease which is alopecia areata and you can go your whole life with this gene and nothing might happen. But it only takes, you know, a small trigger for any autoimmune disease to flare up, whether it's alopecia or, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, whatever you might have. Stress definitely flares these things. So I am now a stress-free person. <laughs> There's no such thing as stress-free. I'm a stress-less person. <laughs> Brilliant. I've definitely heard that before, though, when I've spoken to people with alopecia areata, that they almost can use it sometimes as a marker for, oh, hang on a minute, I'm obviously not taking care of myself as well as I could be, or there's something up, because when it starts to appear again or it gets worse, they think, oh, hang on a minute, this is a sign, I need to stop, slow down, reassess. Absolutely. like. The thing about me was I have one brother and very loving parents. I grew up in a lovely home, um, went to lovely schools. I have lovely friends. And in a way that almost went against me. So I was plodding along life up to my early 20s with never facing any trauma or anything drastic in my life. So it's like my stress levels were always like midway. And then I suppose when I went for the smear tests and all them, I kind of didn't know what real stress was mm. and I wasn't aware of it. I was always just plodding along, you know, thinking nothing of things. And then I think I wouldn't sleep for a few nights leading up to the test. I got extremely worried. And if you said, you know, are, how do you feel about them? Are you scared? Is it painful? I'd be like, no, no, it's actually grand. It's actually fine. But it was as if my body was screaming at me and trying to say hang on a second now can we take a step back here and acknowledge the stress that's going on and acknowledge the worry and you know do something about it mind yourself but instead I powered through it and I think I didn't tune into my body which is something that I've become extremely aware of because of the alopecia so that has benefited me hugely but yeah I think you have to tune into your body you have to listen to your body and you often hear it with people that are diagnosed with anything may it be you know something small something quite extreme that they always say if only I listened to my body you know encouraging other people to listen to their bodies and that was something that I definitely didn't do because I didn't know what this overwhelming stress was about I didn't know I'd never faced any traumas or so my whole body just went into shock my cortisol levels then just hit the roof and it just kicked off the autoimmune disease. Um, mm. So it's probably something that, you know, I could have went through my life carrying the gene without, you know, even realising it. But I think I, I think I set fuel to the fire around the time of the test. So it's difficult because everyone, I think, feels like that when you're in a really stressful situation or you're under a lot of pressure. You don't stop to think, oh, this is really stressful. It's only when that situation ends 
then you sit down and that's when people normally get sick isn't it like you know you've been through something really stressful then yeah you get like a really bad cold or something after because not till you stop that you go oh god uh, that was actually really stressful but when you're in it you're in that kind of mode aren't you survival mode where you're just like no I've just got to deal with this I've got to keep going and you're not worrying about how it's impacting you because you just want to get through it absolutely I agree with you 100% and I just think it's so important just to stop for a second even if things are going 100 miles an hour Mm. just stop for a second and tune in have a little chat with yourself listen to your body just to give yourself a break and pause Mm. and I wasn't doing that I was working a lot I was pulling myself in a million different directions. Anyone would vouch for me and say that I was going here, going there, doing this, doing that, working a lot. And I didn't really have too much time to think about it. So there's a huge part of blame, I suppose, goes to myself for not listening to my body. But on the other side of that, it's a fantastic lesson I learned. I don't have any kids yet, but please God, I will in the future, you know. And it, it was a great lesson for me to learn in a way to say, hang on a second, stop pause take a deep breath and go again you know and if you kind of think of things like that there's nothing that anyone can't get through do you know it's interesting that you kind of say that especially about kids because obviously unfortunately this is part of the problem that we're not learned how to manage stress levels in school or college we're not learned how to deal with things I've even known well I've seen people where they've written to their university tutor and said I'm really struggling I'm finding it really stressful on this course. I don't know how to manage it. And they just reply, have you tried being less stressed? (laughs) I think we're starting to see certain primary schools do like mindfulness sessions and, you know, teach people to be aware of their feelings and their, their stress levels and their well-being. But it's a very small kind of slow growth. And certainly when I was at school... No one mentioned kind of well-being or mental health or anything like that. So we're not learning these life skills. And like you say, if you were lucky enough and blessed enough to have had a really uneventful, low-stress life, Mm -hmm. which is wonderful, then when you get that experience, of course, how are you supposed to know how to deal with it because you've not had anyone kind of show you so but I think you're lucky in a way because I think with some people the first they know that they've been pushing themselves too hard or that they're doing too much is years down the line when they have a heart attack or a stroke or something you know really life-threatening yeah absolutely like when I was in school which I'm only 29 it wasn't that long ago wellness and well-being in mental health none of it was ever mentioned but since going through something traumatic in my life I built up these tools that I now use every day mindfulness breathing exercises meditation yoga and I actually go into schools to speak on things like wellness weeks and well-being weeks well-being days where I just give people the little snippets of what I use because meditation mindfulness you know breathing exercises all of these things 
You can use no matter if you're stressed because you're going to lose your house or you're stressed because you broke a glass on the floor. It doesn't matter the level of stress. They can all be used and altered. So it was just to project to kids. They've all been about age 12 to maybe 18. And, you know, like the junior search that we have here in Ireland, they take that when they're about 15. The leaving cert they take when they're about 17, 18. They can be extremely stressful. And nobody teaches them how to deal with it. Instead, everybody's giving out to them and saying, you have to do well, you have to sit, you have to live in this extremely stressful situation and just cope. It's very, very difficult. So I was able to project all the tools that I learned and that I put on me and what I built up over the few years. Because without the traumatic situation of losing my hair, I would have never done mindfulness every day and I have a gratitude journal and you know so there is positives to things that happen in life and definitely my positive to my alopecia is that I look at life a completely different way and I treat myself a completely different way because self-care is just the epiphany it's just everything so it's really really nice actually to go into schools and give them a bit of that and it's amazing to see you know, teachers and schools looking to do this sort of stuff. Because if you think about it, the teachers and the parents association, whoever's organizing it, they never got it in their schools. So mm. it's not going to be the first thing that comes to mind because they all got through life and they never did it. Do you know? So it's really, really nice to see people's mindsets are changing and they are looking at coping mechanisms, self-love, self-care. So it's great to see there is a turn happening. There is definitely a turn happening yeah. and it's it's only going to benefit everyone. Do you know it's going to benefit the person who's doing the self-care and the self-love and it's going to benefit all the people around that person. Well, what I like about it is, to be honest, it doesn't really matter if it benefits everyone. Even if it benefits one child out of that class, if that one child was in a desperate state because of their exams or their parents' divorce or whatever it was, even if you only helped that one child, then it's not a waste of time, is it? So Absolutely. And the fact that they've all then got these tools that we never had. The problem is, what I like about it is also the reason why it never used to happen, because it's very hard to measure the results. Yeah. Because you can't say, oh, we stopped that girl from being bulimic or trying to commit suicide or from being bullied or what have you because we gave them these tools because you don't know what could have happened if you hadn't done it. But also you can't measure it because that person might be given those tools at 12. It might not click for them until they're 16 or 18 or 20. But at the end of the day, everything you accumulate over your life and all your experiences and all your knowledge are all there. So anytime you want to call on that, even if it's years later that you think, I remember when that girl Chloe came into my class and she talked about this and I suddenly get it now. That's better than never having been given that in the first place. Yeah. Absolutely. They're called life tools for a reason. You know? yeah. it's, it's not that, right, I'm going to start this because I needed it. It's often a case of until you need it, you'll use it. Sure, I was the same. I knew about all these tools, never needed to use them, never bothered yeah. until I was faced with something and I started using them and I saw the benefits. That's the only reason I don't mind preaching about it because I would never preach about something I wasn't 100% sure on. Mm. But to know I came from 
severely depressed to so positive and happy and everything's great. Like that's a one extreme to the other. It's a result of everything that I've done and all these amazing tools that we literally have. They're free. Yeah. They don't cost a thing. They're on Google. They're at the touch of our hands, you know, and it is amazing to see it being used, I think, more more worldwide, really, I suppose. But that's also a good thing, isn't it? Because like you say, we've got things like Google now. So it's so much easier to find this stuff out and investigate and and look at stuff. So I think that's really good and definitely is going in the right direction. Definitely. It is all about mindset because when you said you're so grateful now and you were depressed before, you still have alopecia. So your situation hasn't changed. And yet, because you've changed your mindset, the way you look at everything, your happiness and your well-being and everything has, it goes to show how powerful the tools can be Mm -hmm. of the fact that you're still suffering from alopecia. And yet you can take yourself now from being depressed to being grateful and happy and enjoying what you do have because of your practices and the tools that you have. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you a professional in the hair industry? Do you feel confident addressing clients' concerns around the hair and scalp? Would you know what to do if your client began experiencing hair loss or had to go for chemo? Would you like to support your clients mentally and physically through troubling conditions such as hair loss? The Hair Therapy Hair and Scalp Salon Specialist course will make you a standout industry expert, enabling you to navigate these difficult conversations and elevate your level of client care, making all your clients feel well looked after and in the hands of a knowledgeable expert. This one-day unique insight into the world of trichology will help you raise your standing within the community and offer your clients more. For more information, visit my website or check the link in the show notes. Let's get on with today's episode. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose I was so traumatized when my hair fell out. I remember saying to myself one day, I was like, I I can't go on like this. I'll never get married. I was saying because I could never possibly get married. I'm not doing it in a wig and I'm not doing it bald. And then another thing was that I would never give birth. And I've always wanted children. And I was like, I would never give birth because I'd never go into a labor ward and have to take off my wig. And mm. the thoughts of it, I, I'm never doing it. And I, I made that promise to myself. I really, really was so strong about those feelings. And now I look at myself and I just think I'm so opposite to that now. I find it almost difficult to believe myself yeah. that I said those things. Like I'm getting married next year and I'm hoping to have kids after the wedding. There's no problem there. And I suppose it's scary too that I made those promises to myself. You know, I I promise stuff like, right, if it's not back in six months now, I'll break up my boyfriend. And if it's like stupid things like that, because I had no control over my mind. It was just eating me alive and I had no control. I let all the negative thoughts flood in. I let all bad thoughts flood in. 
my mind was on overdrive and I just let it all consume me. Whereas I don't do that anymore. I'm great for having a little pep talk to myself when I need to. And we all need that every now and again. And I suppose what I love about my story is, yeah, I've had loads of regrowth, which was something I suppose when I had alopecia, I was looking up when I went to the hairdresser and she found the little patch. Yes. And I'd look up alopecia areata and then next day I saw all these bald heads. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I had this little patch. I was like, oh my God, freaking out. So I would have loved to have seen a girl who had a patch like me and who had some hair grow back. But the great thing about it is, yeah, I had regrowth, but I still have alopecia mm. and I still am bald at the back and the sides. So it's kind of a 50-50, but in a kind of a nice way. It would be, I think, more difficult to believe me if I sat here and was like, oh, you can get through it if I had loads of hair and if I had, you know, cured alopecia. Yeah. It would be a lot more difficult to understand me and to trust me. But with my story, it was when my hair was at its worst that I turned around. So it wasn't as if, you know, I waited. It was two years after I had kind of flipped things around that I saw hair growing back. So it wasn't that my hair was growing back and I was like, oh, I can be positive about it. Now mm-hmm. it's growing back. You know, I was positive and I did change my mindset. Positivity came first. Exactly. So I did change my mindset in the depths of it, even though those same depths I was in, I was, you know, very depressed, super anxious, all the bad things. So my physical situation didn't change, but I had two completely different mentalities in the situation. So it's kind of great to be able to share that just to give a bit of honesty and truth and, you know, authenticity behind it, basically. Absolutely. But do you believe what you focus on, you kind of get more of? So the more negative you were being, the more negative you were feeling. Absolutely. And it's funny because I think it's a hard one to digest for yourself. But I always say to people, you know, look around you. Everyone has that someone in their life that's super negative and all bad things happen to them. And I'm like, you get what you put out to the universe. Not always. We don't ask for Mm -hmm. alopecia and we don't ask for cancer and all these terrible things. But to a certain extent, positive mindset will give you a positive life. And you might be very negative or you might be very positive. And that can be hard to differentiate. But if you're struggling to differentiate what kind of a person you are, look around you and you'll see the positive people in your circle. You'll see the negative people in your circle. And it's very easy to differentiate with them. But yeah, it is it is really, really important to, you know, be positive. I, I did it a lot. I put a lot out there to the universe. Um, I started off, I suppose, reading The Secret and I kind of just delved in from there and then I just went to everything and anything and I suppose the more stuff like that that you introduce into your life the more you'll implement it don't think it's a case of where you can pick up the secret and put it down and go about your negative life again do you know what I mean you have to yeah kind of be positive put out an aura out there yeah affirmations are fantastic I don't know if you use affirmations but I I swear by them Mm -hmm. they're great and I do, I say affirmations and I went to someone 
about two years ago about my affirmations and he was brilliant he was telling me what was your affirmation this week and I was struggling with my hair loss at the time and I was struggling with how I looked I, I was positive and I was doing all my tools but I was struggling with looking at myself and I said my affirmation this week is I am beautiful and I said to be honest I'm, I'm not feeling it and I'm not you're not believing it I, I was just being so honest with them and I was like I'm so good I do my affirmations I do everything I said I'm not really believing it and he was like okay how are you doing it and I said well I wake up in the morning and I say it three times and I said I say it then throughout the day and I said I could be sitting on the toilet and I say I am beautiful and all this and then he said but are you just going about your day being like I am beautiful I am beautiful and I was like "Mm, kind of and he's like so you're not believing yourself and I was like no and he said okay stand up and look in the mirror and now tell yourself don't just ring it off. And you were like, no. I, I know. I was like, oh God. He was like, tell yourself. He's like, speak to yourself, but speak to your soul. He said, you need to do it with serious intent. And oh, the first day I did it, I was like, oh, looking in the mirror, I was like, oh God. I was like, this is horrendous. But it was so powerful. And I was saying, how did I go on for so long? Just a small little tweak like that. I began to believe myself and I was saying okay oh my god I got this I do you know it was really really powerful actually it's one of the things I love is actually standing in a mirror and saying your affirmations because Mm. it's much easier to believe when you're watching it being said than to actually just ring it off in your head because we tell each other ourselves sorry so many thoughts a day positive negative everything but we don't believe everything we hear if you can watch it in action it's definitely more powerful. It's it's something that's fantastic. And I tell every person to do is if you're into affirmations and you're doing them, do it for a week in the mirror and see how you get on. And it's a hundred times more powerful. It's fantastic. Well, I think it's, it's true in both ways of what you said. We say so many things to ourselves and we don't believe all of them. But at the same point, our brain doesn't know what is true and what's not true. So To a certain extent, if you don't believe it at all and you're just going through the motions, of course, it's not going to have any effect. But if you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I love myself, I believe in myself, even if you only half believe that, there's an element of fake it till you make it because eventually you're going to start to believe it. But at the same point, going back to when you were telling yourself, I'm never going to get married. I'm going to break up with my boyfriend and I'm going to be on my own and I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to be happy. You say that enough to yourself. That's an affirmation as well. Yeah. Like if you're telling yourself that you will end up making it your reality if you carry on. Yeah. So again, it it kind of works both ways. Yeah. Things were so bad as well. The way I was saying it was with very serious intent. I was drilling it into my, if only I could do my affirmations that seriously, I'd be flying. You'd be a millionaire. (laughs) I was, I was drilling it in and it was all I thought about. And I believed it. I full on believed it because I was constantly telling myself it. So like you said, if you switch it up and you say, I believe in myself, I've got this you know, and you drill that into yourself, the empowerment you get from that is spectacular. Like it's amazing. Yeah, definitely. And it's so funny because I think we're so much more horrible to ourselves than we would never be to anyone else. Yeah. Like you would never turn around to your brother and go, if you start losing your hair, you'll never get married. Absolutely. I saw a counsellor when my hair started falling out and she said to me, you know, what are you kind of saying to yourself? And I was like, oh, that I'm horrible, that I'm ugly, that I'm not feminine, that I'm pathetic and all these things. And she was like, OK. And then she was saying, 
is there someone in your life that you feel like you looks up to you and that you love? And I said, I have a cousin and he is 10 years younger than me and he is an only child. So our families are very close and it was always like he was almost like a brother to me. And I said, yeah, him. And she said, okay. She was like, I'm sitting him down now in the chair next to you. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And I was, ha And she was like, no, honestly, believe it. I was like, okay. And then she said, everything you're saying to yourself now, I want you to tell him about him. And I was like, what? I was there and I was like, you're horrible. You're ugly. You're, and then I was like, oh God, that is so harsh. And she was like, but did you not think it was harsh when you were saying it to yourself? And I was like, oh my God. And then every time now I think, oh God, you're disgusting. I'm like, hang on now. Imagine turning to someone and telling someone that. Imagine how horrid they'd feel. They'd be so upset, you know, and that's what you're doing to yourself. You're only damaging yourself. You're attacking yourself. Mm. So that was another really good tool is to, okay, instead of telling it to yourself, tell it to someone you love and care for Yes. and see, you know, how you feel then. You feel guilty. You feel ashamed. You shouldn't be horrible, whether it's to someone else or to yourself. Mm. Absolutely. So did you find that the counselling did help a little bit as well? I did. Yeah, definitely. Opening up and talking. I found with my partner and my parents, friends, it was very difficult to, I suppose, show them the full extent of the emotion. They would have saw the tip of the iceberg, but it was difficult for me because I didn't want anyone upset I saw how upset my it made my parents and I saw how upset it made my partner and my friends mm. and I suppose I didn't want to add to that upset I've had that before where people have said to me that you're the not the victim but you're the sufferer of alopecia and yet they felt bad telling people mm. because it almost felt like they were hurting people and they didn't want to hurt other people so they didn't tell them even though you're the one that's suffering. Do you know what I mean? That is so weird. Yeah. But I always say it was so horrendous to live through. It, it was really, really horrible to live through. And everyone's different. But for me, Kate, it was it was horrendous. It was the darkest, darkest days of my life. But I think as a parent and as a partner, to watch someone you love go through it must have been horrific. I'd I'd much rather take something in the morning then watch someone I love go through something. Mm -hmm. So I think it was extremely difficult on all of them. So when I went into the counsellor, I sat on the couch and I just bawled and it was so empowering. It was amazing. I was able to tell this person everything. Everything was safe. It was in a room. And I always say to people, there's a counsellor out there for everyone. If you go to counselling and you say, oh God, that wasn't for me, try someone else because everybody has gone to different colleges. They learn different techniques. They learn from how they've helped people in the past and the techniques they've used to do that. So every counsellor is different. We're all human. We're all very different to each other. So that's one thing I'd say. Counselling isn't for everyone and I get that, but I definitely wouldn't be giving up after one counsellor. I think I saw three And then I went back to the same counsellor for a long, long time. She was excellent. And I remember her even saying to me, she was like, you know, you really don't need to come to me anymore. Rather than getting 60 euros a week off me, she was saying, you know, you can, you know, go away and come a a different day, no problem. And we can check in. So I do think that there is a counsellor out there for everyone. And if anyone is going through counselling or is thinking about it, just keep an open mind about it and don't give up, basically. That was the only one thing that I have found really difficult 
So I've been doing this podcast for a very long, well, not very long time, but it feels like a very long time now. (laughs) We're on season four. So it's been many weeks. And I was like, I want to talk about every aspect of hair loss. There must be a counsellor who specialises in hair loss because you've got grief counsellors, you've got anger counsellors, you've got Mm -hmm. food, like eating problem counsellors. There must be people that specialize in hair loss for counseling and I managed to find one in Australia that was it I'm surprised I'm actually shocked that there even is one (laughs) one wow in Australia I think she was in Australia I've done it it was a long time ago but I did an episode with her and she had trained as a counselor and then got alopecia so then obviously really understood it from both sides but I couldn't believe, I know it's a bit of a niche area and I know that general counsellors counselling on self-image, body image, loss can still help. But it really surprises me that there aren't more specialists mm. considering how many people lose their hair. And you know what, Kate? I find hair loss, it's one that will touch off every single aspect of a person and every single emotion. So with grief... You have a certain amount of emotions, but it's okay to grieve someone. Mm -hmm. But with hair loss, I was grieving, but I was also depressed, but I was also guilty and ashamed. But it also challenges your whole body image and your identity and the way you think about yourself. Mm -hmm. And especially like you said, because you've got alopecia areata and because it comes and goes even with grief if you lost someone it's worse and then it slowly gets easier yeah yeah and yes it can be you know you can get reminded of someone and get a bit of a flare up and it can be painful but it's not the same as this alopecia where it's kind of like take give take again yeah give back it's always hanging over you worse Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you've got everything, haven't you? Yeah. And like there were some doctors I saw that were saying, you know, don't stress. Sure. And then you're saying, whereas nobody would say that to you if you lost a loved one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you get a lot of it's just hair and like that is the worst thing. But then no one would ever say, well, it's only a person. There's another seven billion of them in the world. Don't worry about it. It's only one person. Yeah. Do you know it's, it's? Do you know what I mean? Or if you lost an arm, people wouldn't go. Well, it's only an arm. You don't need it. You got another one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you know? I always got. Oh, but sure, you're beautiful. You don't need hair. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I need hair. I'm saying that I'm really upset that I'm losing it. Yeah. It's completely different. You know, I'm like, and then that guilt, that guilt, and that shame. I made me very angry. I I was never an angry person, and I'm not. But at that time when I was really depressed, I was so angry. I was so snappy. Even my mom admits that she only told me that only I'd say about last year. And I was saying, really? She was like, yeah. I'd say, do you want dinner? And I'd be like, no. And she was like, oh my god, do you know? I was so pissed off. I was so pissed off. You know why me? Why does that happen? You know I can see there's. Definitely, definitely, you know, a calling for counsellor that specifies in hair loss. Now they'd have their work cut out for them because they're dealing with a whole array of emotions. But like I say to people, you think that there wouldn't be business for them, we'll say, just because nobody talks about their hair loss. I could go out now today and you wouldn't know I've hair loss and wouldn't have to say anything. But 
if you look around, like if you live in a housing estate and you have hair loss, I guarantee you a few of your neighbors do too. You just don't know about it. No matter what, there's so many different types of hair loss as well. You know, it yeah. affects so many people, but it just doesn't seem like it does because we don't hear about it. And not everybody does what I'm doing and shouts on the rooftop. Hey, it's alopecia. Do you know, mm-hmm. 90% of people, if not more, will be ashamed of their hair loss, will hide it, will be embarrassed. And that's totally fine too. You have to do what you feel is best for you. But it's everywhere. I can guarantee you pass people on the street, you pass people shopping. and there's so many people out there with some form of hair loss mm-hmm. and it really takes its toll on people. I even find with um, male pattern baldness in men in like their 20s and 30s, they find that extremely difficult yes. to talk about. And it's something that's almost joked about like, oh, you're receding hairline and, you know, ha ha ha. It's so blatantly obvious for a man because they don't wear wigs and they don't cover it up. Like we can do amazing things with makeup and all this and draw an eyebrows, but they're quite vulnerable. They're quite put out there and I think it's very very difficult for them you know I I think it is really really difficult especially when men bottle all these things up you know and that's something that's very common male pattern baldness and something that's not spoken about enough it's definitely not spoken about enough but I think that's half the problem in a way because with men it's become a lot more accepted to be bald and a lot of guys can kind of Mm -hmm deal with it by shaving their head or going really short and because it is a bit more common and we see it more it almost makes it feel like well it shouldn't be such a big deal then Mm -hmm. you know and with some guys it really doesn't bother them that much yeah or they they accept it Mm -hmm. well and they say well okay I don't have much choice I'm going to shave my head and and have no hair or you know, they've got options like yeah. systems or hair transplants or fibres or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in a way, it's almost worse for some guys because it's just as devastating for them, especially if they're in their 20s. Yeah. It can be just as devastating for them mm-hmm. as for women. And yet they're almost expected to kind of just be okay with it because we see it more. Yeah, I do have guys that write me on my page and they say, you know, I'm 22, I'm 25, I'm 30 and, you know, I'm losing my hair here and it's killing me and I'm sorry, I'm so embarrassed I'm even saying this to you. And I'm like, no, because your problem is not more important or less important than my problem. You know, we're we're two humans. It's totally normal. And I think part of the issue is that it is accepted by an awful lot of guys and they just get on with it. So I think it makes it worse for the guys that can accept it because three of their friends might have the same issue, but yet they might be awake all night long feeling horrendous, you know, and not being able to cope with it. My mum always said to me, speaking about problems, she always said to me when I, at the start, when I was really, really guilty and I was like, oh, but mum, I know this person has cancer and this person and they're losing their hair because of that. And oh God. And she was like, hang on a second. And she's a great woman. She was like, that's ridiculous. And I was like, okay. And then she's like, you need to feel the way you need to feel and it's totally fine and it has to be accepted by you and she was like there's two fellas live next door to each other one guy is getting his leg amputated his next door neighbor is in agony with a toothache and he goes to the dentist and the dentist says we'll take your tooth out on tuesday and he's freaking out she said he goes home he's in absolute agony he's panicking he's freaking out he doesn't know how to cope she was like if i turned around to him and said Abisher, what about your man who's getting his leg off? 
It's not going to take away his pain. It's not going to take away his fear. It's not going to take away his panic. She said, it, it doesn't solve anything comparing himself to the guy who has to get his leg off. She's like, that's still his problem. His tooth is still his biggest problem in his life. Mm-hmm. And it's totally fine for him to live through that and to accept that. Yeah. And I think we're desperate that way. Not only do we compare ourselves like, oh, she's more beautiful than me. He's more beautiful than me. Mm-hmm. But we compare ourselves when it comes to the bad stuff. I shouldn't be feeling this bad because people have got it worse than me. Yeah. And that is just one of the most frustrating things because it does not help. It's not going to benefit your situation in any way, shape or form by comparing yourself to someone else. And then like when your mum said, that's how you feel and you've every right to feel that, you're almost telling yourself, well, I shouldn't be this upset about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, but if you are, you are, and you might wake up tomorrow and you might feel a bit better about the situation, or you might wake up next week and feel a bit better about the situation. But at that time, that is how you feel about it. So, I mean, I know people do say, oh, well, it's only hair, but you would never turn around to someone else and say, why are you moaning for you're completely overreacting? You've only got a toothache. Like, yeah. what's wrong with you? You'd say, oh my God, that's really yeah. awful. I feel so yeah. bad for you. Do you know? It's mad. It's mad how our minds work and it's mad. The stuff we put ourselves through, I think, is just unbelievable, you know. So as you said, you have Instagram and set yourself up an account to talk about it, which is very brave. Thank you. And it's lovely that you are getting feedback from that because I do really believe as well for every one person on Instagram talking about their alopecia or whatever it is there's you know hundreds or thousands of people out there that are in the same boat but would never dream of putting them out there so publicly so you must get people saying oh thank you I feel like I'm not alone because of you oh like why did you decide to to do this to put it out there yeah yeah so I suppose I was flicking through Instagram one night and I I was quite early into my journey at this stage. And I remember specifically saying to myself, you know, I was quite patchy at this stage, not at my worst, but I was quite patchy. And I was saying, God, I'd love to see someone who doesn't look like Kylie Jenner, but has a few patches on their head, but who's a normal person and who's living with it. Do you know, that's all I wanted. And I wanted to be this platform for people because I saw so many doctors, therapists, everything and anything, and nobody understood me. Like my family, my support system were amazing, but they didn't understand me. And I felt like the loneliest person in the world because nobody could understand these confused emotions that I had. And so I just set up this platform and like you said there earlier, someone says, oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Like I'm no word of a lie, Kate. I'd say I get about four of those messages every hour. Wow. So that's one every 15 minutes. It's a phenomenal amount of messages and a lot of messages come in and they say what do you think I should do about this what do you think and we back and forth and I say you know we're on to your doctor how are your bloods because sometimes it can be thyroid it doesn't have to be alopecia straight away but I get an awful lot of people who just want to chat my boyfriend doesn't understand my friends don't understand feel so alone I basically felt so alone in my journey 
that I was like, I don't want a single other person suffering from hair loss to ever feel as alone as I did. Because it got so dark for me. It got so, so dark. It scares me to think about how dark it got. And if I just had that one person I could reach out to, I would have been okay. But I want to be that person for other people. As my journey progressed, I did meet people before I started my page. I saw one girl on TV one night and I messaged her on Instagram. I found her. She was fantastic. Amber Jean Rowan. And I saw another girl up in Dublin. She's sort of a comedian in her own right. She was going on, belting on about her alopecia and everything and just trying to make light of it. And I reached out to her and like, I swear by those two girls saving me, even though I had the best of therapists, the best support system, you know, I had the best treatments all the time. I tried everything, but it was something as small as that as not feeling alone and saying, whoa, I don't know this person, but this person understands me. This is the one person in my life in my support system that doesn't know me. I don't ask people any questions about themselves. I don't want to know. And then the loving relationship, have they a fantastic life? I just want them to know that they're not alone and whatever emotions they're feeling, I 100% can relate. Mm-hmm. because sitting in front of some doctors and they say you know you'll be fine don't stress I'm looking at them then I'm looking at their hair and I'm like how are you qualified to tell me that when you don't have a clue and I can't even explain to you what I'm feeling because I'm so confused so I want to be that person that someone can just slide into my dms there's this one girl I was talking to the day before yesterday we were chatting away and she was just telling me that she was like oh, I I don't know how to talk about it in front of my boyfriend and the relationship is new and this is new. The hair loss is new and Mm. I'm confused. And, you know, we were chatting and I was saying, look, talk to me. You got anything off your chest? And we were chatting and I was telling her what it was like for me and my relationship when it happened to me because it changes the whole dynamic. And she was saying, thanks so much. She was like, I haven't told anyone I have alopecia. So I'm really sorry. I can't follow you in case anyone sees I'm following you. I was like, you're fine. I was like, I'm not here to get you to follow me. I'm doing what I came here to do. We're having a conversation. We're back and forth. And, you know, I'd always get people saying, um, can you advise me on this or help me on this wig and that wig? And I'd say, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'd, yeah. I'd say, show me your hair and I'll try to help you out. And I try to help them find a wig. And then they might come back to me and like, four months or five months and be like I bought that week that you recommended and you know it's so nice because I'm like I understand I know what you need do you know sometimes you go into these places that sell wigs and majority of them are fantastic but what worries me is that they don't wear wigs themselves mm. so what you pop on your head looks great but then you go out the door and it, it turns out it's really hard to manage it doesn't wash well it doesn't last well they know nothing about that because the sale is complete. Yeah. There's a woman actually in Waterford. I've never gotten a wig off her, but she has a wig shop and she is alopecia and she wears wigs all the time. And I'm like, everybody should go to her because she'll tell you straight out. I bet she loves it though. She probably just gets a new one off the shelf every day and just wears it. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm like, she knows her stuff. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, it's such a strange thing to happen to lose your hair that only people who have lost their hair will fully understand. But I do think it's really important to get the conversation going and doing stuff like this, because if one person hears about me and then their friend comes to them and they say, my friend's daughter's best friend's mother is losing her hair and she's like, can't be consoled. She's in bed for two months, which I was. And then she said, oh, I think there was a podcast one time with this girl. I'm not sure. I'll try to find her name. And then they find the name. Yeah. You know, it's people learning. You don't have to have a hair loss to learn about it because it'll all connect the dots. And, you know, it's just awareness in general. And I think it'll take away 
the stigma because there is a huge stigma attached to it especially culturally a lot of cultures they associate beauty with long luscious thick hair that is something that's changing slowly but probably it's not changing fast enough really so it's important to be like god it's so common you know kick the stigma and be like oh sure it's happening loads of women and that's okay and you know to try and change people's perspectives on it a little bit because it's not something that everyone who has hair loss will stand up and say I have hair loss no, but I think it's important for people especially people who don't have hair loss to actually get conversation going yeah and like you say it's changing a little bit we're starting to see companies employ different size models mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of models with vitiligo you know where you have like different color patches yes yeah I've seen models not necessarily complete hair loss but really short hair mm-hmm. so different people are being represented slowly yeah. we are getting to a point where instead of every model looking like Kylie Jenner mm-hmm. they're starting to look like us yeah I think the Big brands have listened to what people want. And I think people want to see someone that looks like them. Exactly. And I think the big brands are were under a bit of pressure to produce that because everybody was sick of looking at these size two models that were absolutely unbelievable airbrushed to the max they don't even look like that in real life they're not even that size Mm -hmm. do you know they're probably a size four not a two you know and like it just started a really really bad culture of you have to have big boobs skinny waist big lips luscious hair flawless skin like Mm -hmm. talk about you can't have it all do you know what I mean (laughs) it's just not but also I think it's that whole expectation of being and looking perfect all the time and how it's just not real it's not real life and like you said they don't even look like that no so no but the pressure on women especially mm-hmm. to look a certain way and be a certain way and to be flawless and be like that all the time so like you said there has been a bigger movement even just things like some of the lingerie companies showing people with colostomy bags or yeah cellulite or scars and not airbrushing it all out normal things yeah (laughs) yeah and it is really nice but thanks to people like you that is going in the right direction yeah so it is nice to see obviously that's kind of why I started my podcast for the same kind of thing so that if someone was suffering with alopecia they didn't have to put themselves out there themselves Mm -hmm. but if they found this then they would still know that they're not alone and they can listen to it in secret yeah and not tell anyone yeah but they will still maybe find a little bit of relatability and reassurance in that Mm -hmm. so you're on a good mission (laughs) what advice would you give to anyone experiencing hair loss at the moment I'd say look after yourself. Take a step back and take a deep breath. It's something that's out of your control, which took me a while to understand. No one likes that. No, I love control everything. And acceptance was a big thing. I didn't have to accept the alopecia. What I had to accept was that I had no control over the alopecia. That's a big difference. When I was learning about acceptance, I thought I have to accept this and get on with it. That's not the case at all. 
allow yourself to feel your emotions. You're allowed to be sad over it. You're allowed to be angry over it. Absolutely. You're not supposed to say, hey, look, I'm going to be feeling fine about this. If you don't, you don't. Listen to your mind. Listen to your body. But I thought a big, big thing for me was accepting that this wasn't my fault and I had no control over the alopecia. I was not to blame here. But I didn't have to accept it. I was allowed to be pissed off over it and I was allowed to be upset over it. But there is light at the end of the tunnel because I can hold my hands up. I am the light at the end of the tunnel. I was there and how I'm still not there is beyond me. So if I can come from it, anyone can. But definitely minding yourself, take a step back and a deep breath and, you know, take the blame off yourself because I I did an awful lot of that. It's hard, isn't it? Because I think you do naturally kind of say, oh, well, it must be something I did or it must be me or what have you, because I mean, bad things happen, don't they, sometimes? And if you spend the whole time going, oh, why me? Why did this happen to me? Oh, I must have done something. But of course, we all do that all the time, don't we? But it is a journey, Mm -hmm. I think. And I feel like you're doing very well on your journey. But it's nice to hear as well that It's a process and it takes time because, again, I think that's reassuring for people to know that you don't just wake up two weeks time and, oh, I'm okay with it now. No, yeah, I I didn't leave the house for almost two months, didn't go to work, locked myself in the room, wouldn't see anyone. So people always say, how do you deal with your alopecia so well? You're so happy. And I'm like, oh, if only I could have recorded what happened in the bedroom. Like I would (laughs) have, I'd show you that if I could. So it's definitely not something that happens overnight. Like I said, and I'll reiterate it a million times, if I can come from it, I know anyone can. And I truly believe that. Oh, well. I have loved hearing your story and I really think it's great that you are so positive and everybody should go and follow you on Instagram immediately. (laughs) It sounds like you get enough messages already, but I'm sure if people want to message you and contact you, they can. You can never have enough and I'll I'll always, always get back to someone. Every message is as important as the next, so there's never going to be too much. I've no problem there. I put an awful lot of work into my DMs and, you know, I've no problem there. No problem whatsoever. And I really hope that your house goes well. Me too. (laughs) So thank you so much, Chloe, for coming on and being such a great, honest and positive guest. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Kate. You're so good. I really appreciate it. Oh, my God. Giving a platform like this is amazing. So I do really, really appreciate it. I feel like it's just the same as the mindfulness things. Apparently, there's over three million podcasts out there. Mm. And it's very difficult, I think, for people to find what they need. But as far as I'm concerned, even if I get one or two people saying, because of you, I feel better about myself, then it's worth doing. Yeah. Oh my God, 100%. You know, 100%. I'd love to reach millions. We're not there at the moment. No, but never say never. Put it out to the universe. <laughs> but it's the same as the mindfulness tools. Once it's out there, it's out there. So even if someone finds this in five years' time, yeah. so be it. Exactly. All right, my love. Thanks so much, Kate. I really appreciate it. Take care. Bye. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Hair Therapy Podcast. Please share this show with anyone who you think might benefit from it. Don't forget to rate, subscribe and review the show. 
It really helps me grow and reach more people. Until next time.